much trial, much tribulation, much turmoil, many afflictions and pressure, but many are the afflictions of the righteous. But you deliver us out of them all. Been through the fire, been through the water, but you bring us out into that wealthy place, Father, as we trust you. We thank you tonight. The Holy Ghost is the guide. He's the leader, and we just choose now to yield to him. I know by the Holy Ghost the things you've already told me, the things you've already said, and in a measure what you want to do. Others, the rest of the direction will come as we step out now and follow the direction that we already have because that's how it works anyways. We have to be obedient where we are, and as we step out and obey the current direction and instruction, you give us more. Walk in the current light and revelation we have, we get more light and revelation. So, Father, we just thank you right now. We yield ourselves to obey the voice of the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Father, now as I open my eyes here after this prayer, as we get into the Word, it's not just going to be any Word. It's going to be the divinely appointed and anointed and directed Word by the Holy Ghost in and through the Word of God that's going to minister directly to these people at their point of need where they sit right now in this place tonight. And we thank you they've come tonight expecting to receive by faith. This is not just another Wednesday night, but it's by divine appointment. I, I, I hope they know, I believe they know, that I take these times seriously. Don't take Wednesday night any less serious than Sunday morning. I believe the life-turning, life-changing time together in the presence of the Lord. And I thank you for the word, but we thank you, as we've said, for the Holy Ghost, the anointing that breaks every, every every hindrance, every bondage, everything. The anointing breaks the yoke of the enemy. And we just thank you through the word and the spirit of God tonight. You said you was raising up a great, mighty, exceeding army, but through the word and the spirit, as they receive these lives, will be changed, challenged, and altered forever. Never to be the same again, and above all else, everything that's said and done will give you the glory, honor, and praise you so deserve. We count it done by faith right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now you can just stay seated instead of be seated. So go to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. This came, I want to say Sunday. A lot of times the Lord will just drop a thought in my spirit after I leave here. Uh, about It'll be about Wednesday night most of the time on Sunday evening, but I can't remember if this was Sunday evening or first thing Monday morning, but it's been rolling ever since then. And I looked it over yesterday. Looked it over today. We prayed things out last night so we could receive some direction about this service. And again, this is a healing service, but every one of them's different. Of course, you have sickness and disease in your body. We we'll lay hands on you. Lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover, is what the Bible says, before you leave here. But the title of this would simply be Times of Refreshing. And if we have plenty of room to put it on there, it's along with this scripture I'm about to read you. Let's just read it. Acts 3.19 says, Repent you therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And of course, if you hadn't, you need to repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, obviously. He's the way, but most of you guys, if not all, have. The latter part says, when the times of refreshing shall come from where? When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So for sake of length, I just titled this, times of refreshing but tonight we'll have a time of refreshing in the presence of the Lord amen that's what's going to take place we're going to have a time of refreshing in the presence of the Lord and just wrote this down as I was preparing tonight will be different than usual I've already told you that concerning the service the Holy Spirit said this about this service he said there will be people in your presence 
that need to sense my presence, that need to be in my presence. So our goal tonight in this service will be to follow God, His, the Holy Ghost order of service, and create, create an atmosphere for Him to move. And I believe if you choose to receive, you'll enjoy His presence tonight. Don't you want to enjoy his presence? You say, well, I already have today. I have too, but I, I, think, I think I'll take a little bit more. I know that, that Smith Wigglesworth, and I, I would never say I dare, dare say that I'm where he was in, in his walk with the Lord. I've got a little ways to go. Maybe you're already there, but I understand the statement in a great measure that he said. He said, I'd rather be in the presence of God under the anointing of the Holy Ghost for five minutes than have the world with a fence around it. There's no place like his presence. No place like the anointing. Just one touch. Got a message about that. I've ministered several times throughout the years. Just one touch from God. Just one touch in his presence can change you forever. Never to be the same again. I don't have thousands. I've been in his presence thousands of times. But there's been different times in church services that God touched me and you don't forget it. I think about Uncle Charles would say over and over again, I don't have every uh, all understanding and all reasoning and why this, that, or the other. But all I can tell you is we was believing God and we got down here next to the boat plant and God touched me. One touch can change your life forever. Yeah, and that's just one example. But there's many in here, right? I've got some and you've got some. I remember some of the saints of old uh, talking about those different things, just a warm oil, like coming over their head, not a natural physical, obviously, but the anointing, the oil of gladness from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet and many things that they were dealing with, even sickness and disease, run off of them just like that. There's power in the presence of God, right? Many things in the presence of God. But he said, times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. In the Greek, and I'm not, I'm not rushing, but I'm not going slow because the whole port service is important. This word refreshing in the Greek is 403. It's a recovery of breath. You can have so many things going on sometime that you can become exasperated to the point that you even breathe heavy. you got so much pressure and different things coming in this life. But times of refreshing, it's a recovery of breath. It is a refreshing coolness after heat. That's Mount's uh, dictionary. But it says also a word that we'll see these next few minutes, rest. Rest. Refreshing and rest go together. For some, things have been rather hot. God wants to refresh you tonight and give you a rest in his presence. So what are we going to do? I'm glad you asked me, so I'm going to tell you. Psalms 22.3, we quote these sometimes, so I'm not even going to go to it, but, but the latter part of it says, Thou, talking about God, inhabitest the praises of Israel. He inhabitest the praises of Israel. And, and of course, Israel then were his children, but today we are, Jew, Gentile alike, we are his children if you are in Christ Jesus, and he inhabits where he is praised. That word in the Hebrew, inhabits, is lives. He lives where he is praised. If you want the presence of God in your car, praise him. If you want it at the house, praise him. If we want it in the church, we don't complain, we praise God. 
He inhabits the praises. Why do you think when we pray and when we're walking, it's praising, we're walking around talking, praising God. For the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Things may be bad, but God is good. God has made a way where there seems to be no way. The more that you praise Him, what are you doing? You're magnifying Him. God in and of Himself cannot become any bigger or smaller because He's infinite, but in the reality and the grand scheme of things, He can be bigger or smaller in your life, so to speak. You can be facing a great mountain in your life and you begin to praise God and magnify God. The mountain will seemingly become smaller as God becomes bigger as you magnify the answer and the solution to every problem which is God himself right he said in Psalm 1611 just write it down in thy presence is fullness of joy in thy presence is fullness of joy so he inhabits the praises of his people when we begin to praise God we can expect God's presence this already here to increase and one result we saw rest we saw refreshing in thy presence is fullness of joy There is a joy in his presence. Luke 4, 18. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're to do the same works that he did and even greater works because he goes unto the Father. I'm not saying any of you guys do, but many people want to go to a a, a quiet church and a You know, really and truthfully, it's dry and dead and crusty. We should spend time praising God, giving God the glory. Matter of fact, you was on the way to hell. You were headed straight to hell. I don't say anything about it because it gets me kind of ill, but people get caught up with all the football games and everything and get so passionate and emotional about all this kind of stuff. Worried about who won this week or last week or the other week. My God, you ought to thank God that you win. In Christ Jesus, that you got the victory. Right? So you just saying that because your team didn't win last week. I, I changed that about 10 years ago, not last week. That's not what's most important. What's most important is God. And if you don't put him first, you'll find out he, he needs to be most important. Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he hath anointed me. Jesus came with a purpose. And he was anointed by God the Holy Ghost to accomplish that purpose, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Does he want you bound? No, he wants you free. There's a whole message in there. You know that. Lots of of message. But he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. One of the things he said is to heal the brokenhearted. That's, that's my point. To heal the brokenhearted, to heal means to cure or to restore. The brokenhearted, and I, I've given you this before, but it's so good you need to see it again. It's the last definition I'll give you, I believe. 4937 for brokenhearted. He came to heal the brokenhearted. It means to crush completely. That's the devil's goal for your life. To crush completely, to shatter or bruise. To break in pieces. So it means to crush completely, to shatter, to bruise. To break in pieces. Lastly, it means to tear one's body and shatter one's strength. 
That's in the Thayer's Dictionary. To tear one's body and shatter one's strength. You, you know that's what the enemy wants to do in your life. And I may be privy to some things, but the Lord said there's many people in this sanctuary tonight that are dealing with things that I don't know about, but that he knows about, and there's a refreshing and a rest in his presence. Look at Matthew 11 real quick. Matthew 11, 28. Jesus talking. He said, you there? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And we see this again. I will give you what? Rest. I will give you rest. If you look that word rest up in the Greek, you know our title is times of refreshing. Again, in the presence of the Lord. He said, I will give you rest. In the Greek, part of that word means refresh. I will refresh you. There is healing. There is rest, and there is refreshing in the presence of God. His presence comes and or increases as we praise Him. Now we got an example, Acts 16. The Bible is the handbook for Christian living. It's our textbook. The Holy Ghost is the teacher. Paul and Silas. I guess we can read that part. Let's read it. Acts 16, 16. It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us. She had a demon, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Her masters were profiting off. They were evil gifts, but whatever you want to call it. Uh, endowments of this demon spirit, the spirit of divination this woman had. They were profiting. And, and let's see what happened. Verse 17, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And again, many would just read over that and say, Well, she was actually bragging and building. Uh, she was saying this over and over again. It was a hindrance to them doing what God and the Lord Jesus Christ had commissioned them to do. And this did she, verse 18, many days, but Paul being grieved. In the Greek, that means greatly annoyed. She did it over and over and over and over again until he got sick of it and took authority. Being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And what happened? Well, he came out. There's power in the name of Jesus. And it came out the same hour when her master saw the hope of their gains was gone. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. They were not happy. They brought them to the magistrate, saying, we're in 20, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Is this stuff happening to them because they're evil? Because they've done anything wrong? A lot of times people face opposition, and I've been there too, and attacks in their life, and your first thought process will be ones of condemnation. What, what have I done wrong? Sometimes it's what you've done right. You made the devil mad. <laughs> that's, that's very often. I know that you can sin and open the door and cause problems in your life. But I'll be honest with you. 
I'm 46 years old, and the greatest opposition that I've had since I was born came when I endeavored to completely. I'm not going to say I'm perfect and completely. I'm working on it every day. But when I made the decision to completely surrender my life to God, the greatest attacks of hell came upon us that we've ever faced in our life. When I got more serious with God, and it'll be the same way with you, Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered in the flesh, right? Not because he sinned, because he never did. But it says, they rose up together against him in 22. They rent off their clothes, commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. This was their condition. The only thing they did was cast this demon spirit out. But these others, the her masters, were profiting off of this thing, right? Now they beat them, and this is their current condition in verse 24. They thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So as I tell you, they had locked up locked stocks and bonds, and they were there in a dark place. You say, I'm in a dark place, what to do? That's why God had us to go to the Scripture tonight. And again, this doesn't just work at church, but it should be obviously an example for you at church, right? It'll work at the house, it'll work in the car, it'll work anywhere you go. Because it's the word. The word always works when you work it. But they're in a bad place simply for obeying God. It wasn't even what they did. You said, well, I missed it and messed up. Well, thank God we can repent and he'll forgive you. So if you did miss it and mess up, just ask God to forgive you and get up by faith and go again. But here they've just done what they were supposed to do. They just cast this devil out. Now they're locked up in the inner prison. And I want you to see what they did because we, there's a process here that happened to them. Now they're at this place in their life. It says, and at midnight. Anybody ever been in a midnight hour? A midnight time. Yeah. You might be in one tonight. That's why we're having this message. But it says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas grumbled, griped, and complained. They said, this is the beatingest thing we've ever seen. Jesus commissioned us to cast out devils. We cast out devils. We obeyed God, and look where it got us. Is that what he said? No, that's not what he said. What did they do? See, the God inside of them was greater. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. The devil may bring all sorts of things and evil against you to the degree that you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. But praise him anyway, because he's your answer. At midnight, Paul and Silas, they didn't grumble, gripe, and complain. What did they do? They prayed, and they sang praises unto God. And it wasn't quiet. That last part lets us know they wasn't in the corner whispering because they scared they're going to get beat again. I'm not going to read the whole story, but when this thing got broke through, you know, they, the, these, these ones that got them thrown in there, those in authority, they wanted them to go out quietly. And Paul said, nah, we're not departing in secret. If you wanted to show, you got one. You see, things can get turned around quickly. When you praise God, he'll make a way when there seems to be no way. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and that's how we know they wasn't quiet, and the prisoners heard them. And then we'll see what happened in verse 26 as they prayed and sang praises unto God, and suddenly there was an earthquake 
so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But had they fled? Had Paul and Silas fled? Paul cried with a loud voice, 28, saying, Do thyself no harm. We're all here. Then he called for a light, sprang in, came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas. You see, other lives can be changed when you pray and sing praises to God in the midnight hour. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Of course, the answer would be, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved in thy house. And they were. And they all end up rejoicing, believing God, right? And praising God. But what happened? We see the results in verse 26, but the process was what came first? The midnight hour. They obeyed God and things got dark. Things seemed bleak. The midnight hour came, but then there was a decision when it got dark to praise God, to give God the glory. That to realize on my worst day and my worst attack, God's still the way. He's still my answer. He still can bring me out. I'll never forget it if I live to be 100. There was one particular thing in, in my life. Me and Lorelei's always together and all that good stuff. She's not in disagreement. She's in agreement. This one particular thing I was believing God for. And the Lord didn't tell me to tell everybody and I didn't. And we didn't. He said, I want to show you something. He said, I want you to see that if you're the only person in the earth that stands on my word for something and you truly believe me, you receive what you believe. And it happened. And it looked like it never would. And the Lord said, what did I tell you? When you pray and sing praises unto God, that's an act of faith when you do that in the storm. Because you thank God he is the answer. You thank God that he's making a way. Can you imagine them guys and ladies and families when they run up to the Red Sea? And that's in front of them, the army's behind them, and it looks like it's all over. Can you imagine it? When, when Abraham's going up the mountain with Isaac, his only son, and God said to sacrifice him, and there is no sacrifice up there. But what happened? He t- Isaac asked him, he said, he said, where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? And what, what, did, what did he said? God shall provide. They didn't see it. It didn't look like it. It didn't look like it looked like Isaac might not have known what was going on. But Abraham knew if God didn't provide, but he knew that God said he was God. And he knew that God said he would. And he went right on up the mountain. And it was just when everything looked like it's about to be over. And he's got the knife up and it's just about over. You know, the devil a lot of times has the knife up and says it's just about over. And the bush starts shaking. Just like it did. And the little lamb comes out because God will make a way when there seems to be no way. And he's looking for you and me today to stand up and say, God, I don't see a way, but I know you are the way. And I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. And I thank God that Satan is defeated, that he's under my feet. And I recognize what he's doing is nothing but an attack of him, the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I thank God for the precious blood of Jesus and thank God that I've been given authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any 
any means hurt me. You say, how does this apply to me? Whatever you're facing today, God is greater. We're going to put our faith and trust in him, and wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. I believe, God, that it shall be, Paul said, just as it was told me. It looked like it was over. It looked like not only him, but everybody in that ship was fixing to die. They did everything they could to save the ship, to save themselves, to do save all the saving they could, and it didn't get better. It only got worse. But after an abstinence, a time of Paul with the Lord, listening to the God who is the answer, the God who makes a way when there seems to be no way, Paul shows back up on the scene again after a time of what? Being in the presence of God. After a time of being in God's presence, what happened? Paul comes out and says, cheer up. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed except Paul has got in God's presence. Right? It still looked like everything is over. It's an end. We're dead. But he got in the presence of God. And he was encouraged and built up and heard from God. And he said, I've heard from God this night. Whose I am and whom I serve. And this is what he said. Not one life will be lost. You know how many was lost? None. And he said, the ship will be lost, and the ship was. But no man died, none, from the least to the greatest, the youngest to the oldest, the weakest and feeblest to the strongest, not one died. He went into the presence of God. I'm not going to go on all night, but I think about Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den when everything changed. He had the favor. Everything was going so great for Daniel. He had the favor of the king. He had favor of the people. He had some jealous of him too, but still. He had favor of God. And the ones that were jealous did this little trickery and they got him set up with the king who Daniel had favor with. And they got the decree sign that if anybody worshipped any god other than the king for 30 days, then what would happen? They'd be throwing the lines then. Well, Daniel hadn't changed anything. He'd been doing everything he'd been doing before. But where did he go? He went back to where he'd always been even after the decree was passed. What did he do? He kept doing what he'd been doing. Because no matter what you're facing today, if you're a Christian, the answer hadn't changed. Circumstances, situation, and even people will change, but God never does. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, they faced the midnight hour. They were thrown into prison, literal prison, but many people are in prison spiritually, in the flesh, however you want to call it. They're in bondage and all sorts of things are going on. But what did Paul and Silas do? They prayed and sang praises unto God. And when they did, the Bible says something happened. What happened? Their bands were loosed. You say, well, you're telling me every single thing in my life can change. I'm telling you that in God's presence, just one touch can change your life forever. I am telling you that. Y'all can come up. I am telling you that. It's times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. And maybe tonight there's mountains everywhere, and they seem bigger than ever before. But the reality of it is God is bigger than the mountain. What happens is is if we get to looking at these things that may be true and are actually in reality, they'll become bigger than God. But God wants our focus turned back tonight, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, knowing, again, for the fifth time, he'll make a way when there seems to be no way, and we're going to put our trust in him, and he can take anything we're facing and turn it for your testimony. He can, and he will. So he inhabits the praise of his people. In his presence is full of joy. Stand on your feet. That's what we're going to do. I believe that by the Holy Ghost.